Blog Talk Radio. Your spirit sends my heart. 
Dear Heavenly Father, we praise your name and we thank you, Father, for this opportunity to be able to be in your presence, to draw into that secret place of the Most High. Father, we praise you and we thank you for all of the promises and the prophecies and the dreams and the visions and things that have come out from so many of your followers. And thank you, Brother Justin. Thank you so much. Um, to be able to touch us and to help us to be able to have, you know, a positive outlook on the things that are around us, even though many of those of which we see are rather awful. And, um, and Father, I'm just going to go ahead and give you all the praise and honor and glory, Father. We thank you for allowing us to be able to see the things that are happening across the world to be able to see and experience the things that are happening that are abominable, abominable, I don't know if I can say that word right, um, uh, to yank us back into position to help us to be able to realize that this is not a drill, that these are the days that we are in right now and that these days are very, very um, uh, real and calling us to be at attention to uh, be ready to for for our departure, our imminent departure, and we know that you know we, we don't know how long it's going to be. We have all kinds of hypothesis, hypotheses, um, estimations, guesstimations, uh, list of things that we believe that are going to happen prior to our departure. But Father, we just have to lay all of our concerns, all of our I, I don't know what the words are. All of our woes, all of our sadnesses, <clears throat> and we have to lay them at your feet because we are still here. And many of us are, I personally am shocked that we are still here. But nevertheless, um, there's a reason for it. It's a godly reason. It's an awesome and powerful and anointed reason that we're each here. And we pray that we're able, Father, in accordance with the harmony of your will, to be able to walk in it and touch other people's lives and to help them and awaken them to the things that are happening around us so that they are able to see that they are not just commonplace um dynamics um, uh, in in our life walk, uh, but these are the very things that you have spoken about in your word uh, that help us to to be able to pinpoint uh, with some some level of accuracy, some level of hope, uh, where we are in the fig tree generation. And we just give you all the praise and honor and glory, Father God. We thank you for the opportunity that you have given us to be able to worship you we thank you for the opportunity that you have given us for uh, be, to be able to touch other people's lives in the days that we're in right now, even even when we're in a time in our walk where we may be suffering more now than we've ever suffered before in in, in our lives. And 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 I know that your scripture says that um, that when we are suffering, that when we are weak, that we are strong through you, and we praise you for that. We may not understand exactly what that means. We may not feel especially strong uh, during the days that we are uh, experiencing sadness, experiencing uh, weakness and pain in our bodies and such. But, Father, we just believe through faith that our uh, walk in you will be lifted up, 
through your power and that we will be ready. That's all that we ask, that we will be counted worthy to escape all these things that are about to come to pass and stand before your glory, stand before you, Lord Jesus, at the wedding supper. There's nothing that we want more than that. There's the sacrifices that we have made on this earth, although nowhere near the sacrifice and the pain and agony that our Lord Jesus has suffered for us, but the sacrifices that we may have made in our lives, um, in whatever form that they may be, are to us, to each and every one of us individually, are very significant. And we pray, Father, that you will please do not delay. As Daniel said, do not delay. As so many of your followers in Nehemiah do not delay, Father God, we pray in Jesus' name, and that you will come for us in your glory as we are struggling to even even to wake up, really, in some cases, even to wake up and to be able to, to deal with and to be able to see and hear, and um, uh, I, I don't even know what the words are, to be amidst amidst all of this uh, uh, satanic, um, uh, what is the word? What would be the word? The satanicness of the uh of our walk on this earth at this time much much darker now than it has ever been in the history of the world i believe now of course i wasn't here <laughs> we, we 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 weren't here 6000 years ago so we don't have a sampling of what it was like to be around during those times of the times of sodom and gomorrah but father it sure seems like we're living amidst them now and we just give you all the praise and honor and glory and worship, Father, because you are all. You are everything to us. And as the days grow darker, we want to be in your presence more and more. And we praise you for helping us to understand and to be able to see the things that are happening, that we are not blinded by them, but drawn into you by virtue of them being around us. And more and more. In Jesus' mighty name we pray and thank you, Father God, and give you all the glory. Hallelujah. Amen. Tonight is Saturday, February the 10th of 2024, and we are hoping beyond hope that we are going to be departing, hopefully in the first quarter of, uh, of um, next year. You know, it could be earlier. It could be earlier, and there are those who are saying that it is going to be earlier. Um. Uh, I have my heart and hope set on uh, the first quarter, Pentecost, the Omer, the counting of the Omer and Shavuot of 2024 as possibly our early departure, our barley harvest. And I just pray in the name of Jesus that I'm not wrong. But you know what? It's okay if I am. After 13 years of going through this, after 13 years of people anoint, you know, people that seem incredibly anointed by you, Lord Jesus, um, our fellow believers making predictions, very um, powerful and overt uh, predictions about our imminent departure, saying things like we're going to be leaving or there's going to be a, uh, you know, that the, the East Coast tsunami is going to be happening this year. Father, we just praise you and we thank you and we pray that you will be merciful and love and hug upon those who believe with all of their heart that these things are about to come to pass and that they're passing them along to us. Father, we pray that you will have mercy upon them because it appears to many of us that that cannot be the case because of the sheer number of things that have to happen before our departure is queued up. However, 
We pray that you will have mercy because all of us want to go home so bad. All of us, Father, want to go home so desperately bad. Words cannot possibly capture it. There are no words that can capture it. But we pray in Jesus' name, Father God, that you will place our heart and our soul, our very spirit, at deep, deep peace. As we spend time alone in your presence, as we continue to work our day jobs, as we continue to to deal with the challenges, trials, and tribulations that are very, very much a part of who we are today, more than ever before, we thank you, Father, and we pray in Jesus' name that you will not delay. We believe with all of our hearts that the days that we are in right now are those days and that we will be departing very, very soon. In Jesus' mighty name, we praise your holy name. Thank you, Lord. It's 7.12 p.m. on the east coast of the United States of Babylon the Great. And tonight, together, we light the Sabbath candles, or at least if you can. And if you don't have any, that's fine. There's no requirement that you need to have any. But I like to light three, one for the Father, one for the Son, and one for the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. And tonight we play the Hebrew Kaddish. And for those of you out there who are wondering, has Johnny figured out his soundboard and will he dork up tonight's prayer vigil? And the answer is no, he hasn't figured out his soundboard and he will likely dork up (laughs) the prayer vigil. (laughs) Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And here we go. Bore perihagafen. Baruchat Adonai Eloheinu melech haolam. Asher kitshanu b'mitzvotav v'ratzavanu. V'shabat kodsho v'avratzon hinchilanu. Zikaron le mate vereshit. Ki huyom techila le mikrae kodesh. Zechelitiat mitraim. Ivanu vacharta, veotanu kidashta, mikol hamim. Veshabat kodshecha, beava uvratzon, inchaltanu. Baruch Adonai Mekadesh HaShabbat. Holy Lord Jesus, please cleanse and totally purify our heart, our mind, our soul, our spirit, and our flesh, our record-keeping books in heaven and our robe and gown in heaven. With your precious blood, And your holy fire, Father God, we pray that you will purge it with bursts of brilliant, white-hot, holy fire that is blown 
intense, that is intensified by the whirlwind of the Holy Spirit that will scatter the darkness in all directions and protect us around about on all sides to encircle our dwelling places. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we pray. We pray, Father God, that any entity of the darkness, worker of saint and live or dead human spirit, member of a witch coven, anything that cannot call Jesus Christ its Lord and Savior, that at the moment that it sets its will against us, that it will be immediately burned by the holy fire of God, that it will shoot down in a stream from the glory pillar and to burn them, these demons of darkness into screaming agony, scattering the darkness in all directions, extensible and growing ever outward, burning them and scattering them in all directions father god running away from us and staying away from us in the name of jesus we pray that this holy fire will wrap around our dwelling place we pray in the name of jesus that this holy fire will wrap around our workplace father god we pray that it will make good eyes blind good ears deaf we plead for a platoon of warrior angels in the name of jesus to be assigned to us to ferret out all demons of darkness all indirect attempts to come against us in the name of jesus christ hallelujah we praise your holy name father god ferret out all those demons all those uh earthly and spiritual weapons fiery darts father god completely vaporize them in the name of jesus to completely wipe out wipe out and vaporize all demonic agreements all all demonic uh, contracts that have been placed against us or our loved ones. In the name of Jesus, we pray, and we thank you, Father God. Surround us with your holy fire. Surround us with eight-foot-tall warrior angels standing guard at our dwelling places. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. And we thank you, Father God, for this holy fire. We thank you, Father God, for this divine protection. We thank you, Father God, and we praise you because we need it at all times. We pray in the name of Jesus that our prayers will be will explode into a holy fire and it will melt the firmament of the rock at the very top of the demonic stench that exists in this crust of evil that surrounds this place that we are entrapped. Father, we praise your holy name and we thank you because we need your divine protection now more than ever. Help us to be able to endure the days, the many, many days, the many, many weeks, Father God, that we have to endure in many cases, completely alone. In many cases, uh, even with spouses, completely alone. More alone than we can ever imagine. And if it wasn't for your presence in our lives, I don't think any of us would know exactly where we stand. And your presence in our lives helps us to be able to endure the things that we have to endure as we're waiting for that opportunity to be in your presence. We praise you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. We praise you, Jesus. We praise you, Jesus. We praise you, Jesus. We praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. We praise you, Father. Father, we praise you for the days that we're in right now. We praise you for the clarity of mind that we have, that we're able to see the things that are happening around us, that we're able to see the crescendo of darkness rising around about us in such a manner that it encourages us to help us to understand that we are about to leave the darkest place in all of the universes clearly without any question in Jesus mighty name we praise you and thank you Father God hallelujah amen arise my love my beautiful companion and run with me 
to the higher place. For now is the time to arise and come away with me. For you are my dove, hidden in this split open rock. It was I who took you and hid you up high in the secret stairway of the sky. Let me see your radiant face and hear your sweet voice. How beautiful your eyes are in worship and lovely your voices in prayer. You must catch those troubling foxes, those sly little foxes that hinder our relationship. For they raid our budding vineyard of love to ruin what I have planted within you. Will you catch them and remove them for me? Will you? We, we will do it together. Thank you, Jesus. Against me in 
for me, far be it from me, that I should sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray for you. 1 Samuel 12, 23. He restores our soul, leads us in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Surely goodness and mercy will follow us all the days of our life, and we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Psalm 23, 3 through 6. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. We praise you, Lord. And um, uh, I'd like to say, please, um, that uh, for the times that I've misquoted verse, uh, chapter and verse, um, forgive me for those mistakes. I have started a new um, review um, to uh, etch into my heart and mind um, the chapter and verse of several verses. For example, Colossians 3, 2, keep our minds stayed on things above, not on things of this world. But then also uh, the scripture that talks about the filthy language out of our mouth is actually Colossians 3, I believe it's 6. But anyway, um, I'm starting to go back and re-etch into my mind. The hardest part, it's not so much the words. The words come very naturally to most of us when we're memorizing scripture. What tends to dwindle away over time are getting the the actual chapter and verse um nailed down you'll you'll have it you'll have it some of them will stick in your heart very most perfectly and they will stay that way and you won't lose them um but other ones will um start to dwindle, you know, a little bit, and you'll start to, and you'll be like, is it this? Is it that? So anyway, I just want to let you know that I'm, I'm starting a new effort now to uh, review uh, the chapter and verse of, oh gosh, what, thousands of scriptures? Um, but anyway, I'm trying to get those nailed down again, um, which uh, is a very lengthy and um, tedious and drawn-out process, so hopefully I'll be able to get that straight again. Also, for those of you who are curious, um, so I went to uh, Sin City, which is what it's called for all the right reasons, um, by force. Um, It was compulsory and um, did what I had to do. I don't really have any commentary in regard to it. It was incredibly, um, it was very hard to, to, to do it. Okay, it was very hard to do it. Because I haven't, since before the pandemic, I really haven't um, done anything that uh, 
required me to walk five miles in a day, things like that. So when I actually looked at my Fitbit, somebody had made a comment. I, I wasn't even looking at it. I wasn't monitoring it at all. But someone else, some other person had made a comment about their Fitbit and how high the walking numbers, the actual uh, steps were. So I thought, oh, well, I'll go ahead and look at mine, too. And I did. And, oh, and by the way, I just took <laughs> I just took some of my BP med, so I'm going to be sucking down water like a crazy person. Otherwise, I'll be coughing up sand. <clears throat> but anyway, um, and I looked, and I was uh, kind of shocked, quite frankly, quite uh, pretty shocked uh, to see the actual number of uh, steps on uh, one, of, one of the days. It was uh, well over five miles. And um, you might not think a lot about that, but um, when, you know, uh, I'm just trying to think of the right way to put it. When you haven't walked five miles um, straight, you know, consistently throughout the day uh, in over five, six, seven, eight years, and then you suddenly do, it's like um, it's the way that you feel, and maybe you don't relate to this, and that's totally cool. I, I get it. I get it. But if you are the type to work out, you know, you have a, a little workout room or a little room where you have a few weights or whatever it is that you, um, you know, work out. If you go from zero to 60 in 2.2 seconds, in other words, you haven't been working out and then you suddenly uh, pick up weights and you just really, really dive into it real super duper hard, um, what will happen is um, you'll create a lot of pain for yourself because there's muscles and things in your body that you haven't used for a very, very long time. And then when you use them, you use them really super hard. So all I knew is that my, my feet were in, in a lot of pain. Um, my left knee where I had the knee surgery, um, you know, the meniscus knee surgery that the, that the surgeon said was really bad. He said, this is like one of the worst ones I've ever seen. Um, you know, he wasn't he wasn't discouraging. His bedside manner was very good and kind. But um, he was, you know, he, he needed to let me know that um, my surgery was uh, not standard that it was uh that you know it was bad it was a very bad situation and he told me you know e even when i told him that i prayed on my uh knees he wasn't too happy about that so he's his exact words were i wish you would not do that um a, a lot of what what a lot of surgeons do not tell people who get knee surgery you know and and it always starts out with meniscus surgery and then it graduates to full-blown knee replacement surgery. Now, I don't want to go through that. I'm going to, I'm going to just be as frank as I possibly can. I, uh, or forthcoming, or whatever you want to call the word, I don't want to go through that. Um, it, it's all across the board. Um, it depends on who you talk to. Some people you talk to say, oh, it wasn't as bad as everybody says it is, that kind of stuff. You know, they, they downplay it. But others um, are, I think, are more honest, and they um, uh, tell you that it was in fantastically, uh, you know, painful, and that the recovery was, uh, you know, incredibly painful and, and lasted a very long time, and et cetera. 
So anyway, um, praise God. I just don't want to go through it. I, I, I would like to believe that I can um, fully heal. I was told by a doctor. Uh, now, this particular doctor's specialization was uh, physical therapy. And this particular doctor said that meniscus, uh, any knee surgery, any body surgery that includes um, erosion of cartilage, such as uh, meniscus knee surgery does, um, uh, that it takes a long, long time to fix. As a matter of fact, in his opinion, this particular full-blown MD said that um, in his opinion, it takes an entire year for the, you know, say you have knee surgery, whatever it is, uh, it could be hip surgery, you name it. Um, In his opinion, it takes an entire year to to fully heal from it. Now, um, that would put me, uh, September would be the month. Thank you, Jesus. Uh, so that would say so February to uh, March, April, May, June, July, August, September, October, August, September. So that's seven more months I have until I hit uh, until I hit the magical. Praise Jesus! Um, I should be fully healed by then month, which is this coming September. Now, of course, I would like to think that we're going to be raptured before then, and I have received uh, email, or I don't know if it was email or text or what it was. It's hard for me to keep track because people communicate with me in so, so many different ways. Uh, And I've learned, I learned uh, over a decade ago that if a person is uh, married to Facebook, you have to talk to them at Facebook. If they're married to, you know, uh, whatever, Whatever social media that they happen to like and they've invested their time in, you know, uh, you have to talk to them on their level. They will not come to meet you at your place. They won't do it. Um, you know, if, if that's where they are, if they like Facebook, you got to go talk to them on Facebook. If they like, you know, um, you know, whatever this social media, you know, we, you know, what is that one? There's so many different ones. As we all know, there's probably about 20. Um, there's probably about five of those that are extremely popular. But if they like that, if that's what they, if that's the place that they hang out, that's where you, when you're in my position, have to go and meet them. They won't change. They won't come to meet you on your turf. If you if you tell everybody, hey, you know, I I hang out on uh, Twitter. Um, uh, you know, then, um, you know, but they won't come there. They won't leave their Facebook niche and come to talk to you on Twitter. It's just how it is. So when you're doing the kind of work that I'm doing, uh, whatever that may be, um, you have to go, you have to belong to everything. You have to be, um, you have to belong to everything. That's just how it is. It's just how it is. Doesn't matter. Um, and um, and so um, that's what I do, and I try my best to kind of watch as you know as best as I can for people reaching out to me. You know, I had um, I'm getting more and more of these, and this is heartbreaking, heartbreaking. But all the more reason for us to pray, all the more. But I'm getting more and more communications from people that are losing their jobs and they're they're about to be homeless. 
These are believers, by the way. Um, I'm getting more and more of those communications from people, and it's it's absolutely heartbreaking. I, I don't even know how to communicate it. I don't know how to phrase it. I don't know what words to use. I don't know. I don't know. All I know is that I tell them what I went through, how horrible it was to go through it, because I want them to, to be able to feel me, feel me, feel that I feel them. I want them to feel that I feel them. I am I am in your place. I've been there and done it. And um and it's true, I have. And um and I try my very, very best to encourage them to understand that um it's all about praise. Okay, so we're in a place right now, praise God, thank you, Jesus, we're in a place right now that many of us, I, I don't know, I, I don't know if that's the right word, there is a subset of believers out there, and I don't know who they are, and I couldn't pick them out of a crowd. I mean, it would, I just have to, uh, I just know it because I'm experiencing it. And that subset of believers that are out there are, um, they're going through some really hard times, really hard times. And so um, our prayers need to be keen. They need to be zeroed in on our fellow believers, and especially so to help them to ask our Father for supernatural anointings, to ask our Father for supernatural opportunities, to open doors that need to be opened for them immediately, and to uh, place them where they are able to uh, feed their families and uh, keep a roof over their head as we wait for our departure. I get. I, I want to express... And if you will, please uh, bear with me while I drink water, because like I said, um, this clonidine for uh, you can you can look it up on the Internet. C-L-O-N-O-D-I-N-E, clonidine. It says right at the top of, uh, you know, there's a little thingy that says, uh, what are the uh, side effects? And at the tippity top, it says right there, it says, you know, incredible dry mouth or whatever. And it's absolutely true. So anyway, um, uh, we we really have to, I have to. Now, maybe you're already doing it. Praise God for you. Thank you, Jesus, for you. But for me, I have to shift my prayer dynamics, my prayer tactics. Because not only do I want to pray for the Seven Mountains believers, because they're essentially the pillow prophet believers that David Wilkerson warned us about in his um, uh, teaching about pillow prophets. And I might even have it here, praise you Jesus, pillow prophets, David Wilkerson. There we go. All right. And let me see here. Let me see what I can do to, to read this to you. All right. Oh, gosh, it wants to update. I, it, it, does anybody else wonder why every single time you up, you open your, your Chrome browser or any other version of browser, you instantly have to update it every time? It's amazing. It's like, wow. So anyway, um, this one here, let me see, Pillow Prophets. Okay, that, and this is from uh, David Wilkerson's uh, writings uh, when he was with us. And he says, Ezekiel stood alone against all the false prophets of Israel. 
These prophets would have nothing to do with the message of righteousness and impending judgment. Instead, they prophesied an era of peace, ease, and prosperity. Wow. So again, Ezekiel stood alone against all the false prophets of Israel. These prophets would have nothing to do with the message of righteousness, impending judgment. Instead, they prophesied an era of peace, ease, and prosperity. Now, I will share with you this, and I'm not picking on anybody. I'm just calling it out, you know, as David Wilkerson did. David Wilkerson never did, never mentioned names. He would mention the behaviors, but he would never mention anybody's name. And that's how we must be. Ezekiel 13, David goes on to say, is the very word of Jehovah against preachers and prophets who accommodate people with flesh-pleasing words. They said were from the Lord. Their words were designed to make God's people feel comfortable in the face of impending judgment. Now, I can tell you, folks, I love the members of my family. I love them. I love them. I really do. And I want to hug them. And I wish I could be around them and visit them way, way more often than I can. But I can send them links to these. I can send them links to what I'm reading to you right now. I can, I, I can send them. I, and I have. And one, one of my um, relatives in particular won't hear it. She has come to a place in her walk where she cannot hear bad stuff. She can't. Her knees hurt her. She's entering into her 80s. And to her, the idea of any kind of suffering is simply not acceptable. So what fits her itching ears are the words of the Seven Mountains Mandate people. And she's been surrounded by them her entire life without getting into, I don't want to name the name of the um, prophetic list that she belongs to. But if you do some digging into the prophetic list of prophets that she belongs to, um, you will discover very quickly that the vast majority of them are... um, Seven Mountains Mandate Types. So if you type uh, in Google Seven Mountains Mandate and you look for, um, uh, I think it's like, it's not Got Milk, but Got Word or something like that, you will find an an extremely well-written, one-page long um, write-up on the scriptures in the Bible that help people to understand that that is a wrongful wrongful teaching. It's incorrect. So anyway, it goes on to say, David Wilkerson's uh, writing here on Pillow Prophets goes on to say, Ezekiel 13 is the very word of Jehovah against the preachers and the prophets who accommodate people with flesh-pleasing words, that they were from the Lord. Their words were designed to make God's people comfortable in the face of impending judgment. In fact, They were not satisfied to prophesy good times ahead of their great houses and ivory beds of ease. They sought to provide a pillow for every elbow, Ezekiel 13, 18. Woe to those who apply pillows 
unto all elbows. Original Hebrew in Spirel. Behold, I am against your pillows wherewith you entice souls. Ezekiel 13.20 Ezekiel was horrified at the sight of prophets who had developed an art of making God's people comfortable. The Lord had said, My people have set up idols in their hearts. Could that be Donald Trump? Not picking on the guy, I'm just saying. When we should be crying out to Jesus in repentance, we're putting all of our hopes and dreams in Donald Trump, right? I mean, that's what the vast majority of Christians are doing in the United States of Babylon, the great for sure. And it isn't that Christians in other countries don't agree and wish for that to happen as well. It's just um, a whole different dynamic. One is save the country, one is whatever. Okay, so the Lord had said, have um, my people have set up idols in their hearts. They are brazenly setting up stumbling blocks in iniquity. They are all estranged from me because of their idols. Ezekiel 14, 1 through 5. The true word of the Lord was, Jehovah says, Eat your bread with trembling, and drink thy water with grieving and fainting, and say unto the people, Her land shall be emptied of the fullness because of the violence. The cities will be laid waste, and land made desolate. There shall be no more vain visions or flattering prophecies. Ezekiel 12, 17 through 24. While Ezekiel went about calling the people to humility and repentance, trying to prepare God's people for the soon coming judgment, these pillow prophets went about prophesying the dreams and imaginations of their own hearts. God had not yet spoken to them, even though they prefaced their predictions with, Hear the word of the Lord. God, did, uh, God said, I did not send them. They do not speak for me. They carried with them fancy pillows to place under every elbow for all who flocked to hear their false prophecies. They placed handkerchiefs on their heads of every one of their disciples, a statement to others that meant nothing but good times ahead. I see nothing ahead but peace and luxury. They walked among the poor and the sick and laced their handkerchiefs on the heads as a sign of their confidence in the message of the prophets of self-indulgence and comfort. Ezekiel thundered the words of God at them as the masses congregated to hear their pleasant words. You see, for God's people a vision of prosperity when there is no prosperity, saith the Lord Jehovah. Ezekiel thirteen sixteen. You follow after your own imaginations when actually you have seen nothing. Ezekiel 13.3 The pillow prophets are still with us. They talk about the word of God and, and about prophecy, and they salt their soothing messages with a lot of scripture. But there is a falseness in what they preach. They are not preaching the cross of holiness or separation. They make no demands on their followers. They seldom speak of sin and judgment. They abhor the very mention of suffering and pain. 
To them, the heroes of the Hebrews were faithless cowards and penniless losers who were afraid to claim their rights. Like the pillow prophets of Israel, their one supreme desire is to promote luxurious lifestyles and make people feel comfortable in their pursuit of the good life. They are not speaking for God. All they are doing is passing out pillows, one for every elbow, one for every follower. No wonder the crowds flock to sit under their message. It's painless. There is, there is not the call of Christ to deny self and to take up the cross. What is the difference between the pillow prophets and Jehovah's true prophets? The preacher or parishioner who doesn't, who doesn't know the difference is on dangerous ground. With so many going about gathering huge following. It is imperative to have Holy Ghost discernment. The confused prophets must be exposed by truth. Most of them, and sound like sincere Bible-loving men of God, which they do. But the Lord has given his people infallible tests to prove what is true and what is false. We are to test every man and every message by the whole word of God. Let me bring to your attention three characteristics of a true prophet of God. And it goes on. And it's actually, it, it goes on to a new section. It says, a true man of God is consumed with Christ. I'm sorry, with a vision of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then it goes on. The, the next section is a true man of God preaches and practices self-denial. The next section is a true man of God has a holy boldness against sin. He never whitewashes evil. Wow, that's powerful. And it goes, it, so there's uh, three lengthy sections here um, that go into the details associated with a true prophet of the Lord. Praise God. And I could go, I could go ahead and read all of these and, uh, you know, um, turn this into another hour of um, analysis associated with pillow prophets, but I'm not going to do that. All you need to do if you want to read it is uh, just type into Google or whatever you care to use. Just type the words pillow prophets space David space Wilkerson. Okay. And you'll find it right away. You'll find it right away, praise God, and you'll be able to read the whole thing. But you got the uh, the lead in, the whole, uh, uh, you know, lead into the in- entire message um, just now. And it, it is, unfortunately, um, a perfect, uh, what would be the word, depiction, if you will, of what we're seeing with the Seven Mountains Mandate, or what's also known as the New Apostolic rep- 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 you know, uh, Reformation. N-A-R, NAR, and is one word for it, and then the other word for it is uh, Seven Mountains Mandate. They are very similar, not necessarily identical movements, but they are, um, the end net result is very similar to being the same. Now, the Seven Mountains Mandate people, um, I will share with you real quick. Hold on just a second. I'm going to look it up just like you can. Um, Seven Mountains Mandate. There it is. La, la, la. Praise you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. 
All right. Now I got to find. Oh, there it is. Gotquestions.org. I'm not saying these guys are perfect. The gotquestions.org people. I'm not saying they're perfect because they're not. Nobody's perfect. We're all flawed. If God did not use flawed people, God could not use anybody at all. We're all flawed. Just because somebody is standing up in a podium in a church full of people doesn't mean that they're not flawed. They probably need more prayer than anybody else in the entire building. A lot of times they don't want to say it, though, because they don't want to cause the uh, demonic judgmental spirit that exists in so many believers to bubble up and attack them. So they avoid sharing with the parishioners the struggles that they are having in their own household. Because heaven forbid, if they should be having those kind of struggles in their household, well, then maybe they're not, maybe they shouldn't be my pastor. You know, that's the whole mindset. And so a lot of times the people at the podium are uh, going through a lot of troubles and they don't want, um, you know, they don't want to, they don't want to be forthcoming about it you know, um, to the congregation because they'll be judged. And that's true. So, um, so under the seven mountains mandate, what is the seven mountain mandate and is it biblical is what's written right here in this particular article where it says the seven mountains mandate or, uh, and then it says seven dash M mandate or the seven mountains prophecy is a strategy for evangelizing the modern world and enlarging Christ's kingdom. It has especially gained a following in the charismatic and Pentecostal churches. Now, I will say, um, I don't know what I am. I'm neither of any, um, for what that's worth. But I used to be Pentecostal, and I used to be charismatic. And I used to be both Pentecostal and charismatic. But not anymore. I don't even know what I am. All right. I I probably am just Jesus-centric. All right. Now, all that being said, those who follow the seven mountains mandate believe that the best way for the church to be effective is to bring change in the seven major spheres of influence in society, it says. Here are the seven mountains to be transformed according to the seven mountains mandate. Education, number one. Religion, number two. Family, number three. Business, number four. Government and military, number five. Um, Arts and entertainment, there's your Hollywood, number six, and media. You put six and seven together, arts, entertainment, and media, and you have movies, you know. Uh, So you got Hollywood. Uh, It goes on, it says, the seven sectors of society are are thought to mold the way everyone thinks and behaves. So, to tackle societal change, these seven mountains must be transformed. The mountains are also referred to as pillars or shapers or molders or spheres. Those who follow the seven mountains mandate speak of occupying the mountains, invading the culture and transforming or taking back society. Some teachers of the seven mountains mandate use Isaiah 2 verse 2, which mentions mountains, to support their view. 
In the last days, the mountains of the Lord's temple will be established as the highest of the mountains. It will be exalted above the hills, and all nations will stream to it. Others try to find a a correspondence between the seven mountains and the seven kingdoms. Israel was to drive out of Canaan in Deuteronomy 7 7 verse 1. It goes on to explain that a particular individual coined the term Seven Mountains Mandate and is one of its prominent teachers. This person adopted or adapts the missionary mandate of Jesus to to his disciples and to go and make disciples of all of the nations and to mandate to uh, into a mandate to affect social transformation. This individual reasons that since churches already have a presence in every nation of the world, we need now to concentrate on influencing the systems of the mountains within these nations. The problem, according to this individual, is that Christians are not currently influencing society outside the church. Christians have left the mountains susceptible to the gates of hell, which are spiritual portals over the kings, influence uh, influence shapers of the mountains. This person's teaching is loosely based on the Abrahamic covenant, which promises Abraham a seed and a lasting inheritance. Also, Israel was promised in Deuteronomy 28:12 through 14 to be the head and not the tail amongst the nations. Proponents of the seven mountains mandate infer that the church, not Israel, is the is the entity to claim that promise. It is now up to the believers to move in proximity to the gates of hell and position themselves to exert the greatest amount of influence. Each individual Christian is to find the particular mountain to which he is called and to be a leader in that realm, it says. Christians are called to be light and salt in the word, Matthew 5, verses 13 through 14. It's true that the church should seek to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with all people in every area of society and and in that way influence culture. When lives are transformed by the gospel, society will be impacted. When Paul and Silas brought the gospel to Thessalonica, there was an uproar. Evil men resistant to God's message claimed the missionaries had turned the word upside down, Acts 17.6. The overturning of wicked systems and the advancement of God's uh, truth should be something very every believer prays for and works toward. Amen. The Christians should uh, Christians should be involved in the arts, business, government, media, etc. But we need more believers in these areas, not fewer. The message of the gospel must permeate everywhere, and the Seven Mountains Mandate is a strategy that makes sense on one level. The people wielding the most influence today, the people at the top of the mountains, are for the most part ungodly people who do not follow God's word. Influence 
the influencers and you can change the world become an influencer yourself and you can bring change that much uh you know, bring that change about much more quickly one caveat to the seven mountains mandate is that the lord may do his work any way that he sees fit we have no direct command in the scripture to seek positions of influence in society that is a true statement, by the way. Only that we make disciples and be Jesus' witnesses in all the world. Matthew twenty-eight nineteen, Amen. And Acts 1, 8. Hallelujah. God may use anyone regardless of how high on the mountain he or she is. In fact, God has specifically chosen the lowly. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many of you were noble uh, at birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of the world and despise, uh, and despise things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. Time for water. Hold on. Thank you, Jesus. All right. Another caution is that the Seven Mountains Mandate traces its origins to visions that certain men had, and the strategy is heavenly promoted to apostles that are part of the new apostolic reformation. Warning, Will Robinson. Then he mentions a whole bunch of names, which I'm not going to do. And he goes on further, the Seven Mountains Mandate sometimes drifts into the realm of dominion theology, the belief that God desires Christians to rise to power and govern the nations according to biblical precepts. That's not in the Bible at all, by the way. The word desperately needs Jesus, and we are able to take the message of Jesus into all the world. We need Christian professors, lawyers, CEOs, drill sergeants, newscasters, coaches, painters, chefs, gardeners, actors, handymen, and the list goes on. The church should not shy away from, engage, from the engagement with the world, and all professions need a gospel witness. Wherever we are and whatever we do, we should work at it with all our heart as we work for the Lord. Colossians 3, verse 23, which is so true and so awesome. Just remember when you're working your job on Monday that you're working for the Lord, for Jesus, and not for yourself. It's true. And it's much more motivational. And we trust that Jesus will continue to build his church. Matthew 16, 18. All right. So anyway, um, so this is a pretty good write-up about the Seven Mountains Mandate. We all know that the Holy Word of God, the Olivet Discourse, Mark 13, Luke 21, Matthew 24, and Revelation chapter 6, which they overlay one another. So the seven um, – so the um, – the Olivet Discourse and the things that are mentioned in there, you know, pestilence, famine, wars, rumors of wars, uh, the sea, you know, signs in the sun and the moon and the star seas roaring, all these things are things that are happening today. And we know that they overlay the things that are prophesied to happen, the, the, the mega things 
that are prophesied to happen in the six seals. The global financial collapse, the starting of World War III. Um, you know, you have, uh, we, I believe powerfully, very strongly, very strongly, I believe that the second seal, behold, a red horse, is Russia. Um, as a matter of fact, if you look at Russia's um, coat of arms, you see a saint on a white horse with a long sphere stabbing the sphere into a reptilian, which I find most telling. So, um, and they're also known as the Red Army, et cetera, et cetera. So the, the, the multitude of ways that we are able to connect these dots uh, is, uh, it seems never-ending, really. And then we know that the global financial collapse is in progress. We know it. We know that the United States Treasury bonds are not being bought anymore. We know that. We know that they're being tossed aside. We know that they have created the BRICS nations which is a totally different monetary system than the petrodollar. I talked to an unbeliever friend of mine, oh, I don't know, six months ago. I said, what do you think about the things that are happening across the world? And he said, oh, it's obvious. They're ditching. They're ditching. They're getting rid of the petrodollar. That's what he said. That was actually very prophetic of him to say it that way because – He's right on the money. He's uh, no pun intended. Um, to get rid of and destroy the petrodollar. Now that's only one of many things that are happening right now. So when I predicted, I don't know, far, four, five, six, seven years ago, I said that the uh, it, it had occurred to me that Jesus could snap the the seals on all of the scrolls, and he could do it all at once. He can come out and go snap, 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 snap. And then the scrolls can roll out in parallel. So, um, and, and, you know, does one start to happen before the other start to happen before the other? Yeah, probably. But I think that, you know, they would be staggered in the way that they would roll out, but they would essentially roll out together. I mean, we already see, you know, at the end of the fourth seal, which is, you know, behold, a pale horse and a quarter of the earth will be will meet with death. Well, we already know what quarter of that earth is. It's not China. It's not Russia. It's the West. We see it coming down on the West right now. It's not even debatable. Um, and it is, uh, you know, Tasmania. It is Australia. It is New Zealand. It is Canada. It is uh, uh, America or the USA. Um, you know, these are, you know, and all of Europe, the EU. Each of these parts of the Earth make up essentially about 25% or one-quarter of the overall Earth's population, which is fascinating because in the fourth seal in, in Revelation chapter 6, it says that um, death shall uh, affect one-quarter of the Earth. As a matter of fact, if I pull that over here, um, here we go. Uh, thank you, Jesus. Revelation 6. And if we scroll down to the four seal, it says, when he opened the four seal, he heard, um, I heard the voice of, a, of the fourth living creature saying, come and see. So I looked and behold, a pale horse and the name of him who sat on it was 
stats. And Hades followed with him, and power was given to him over a fourth, one quarter of the earth, to kill with the sword and hunger and death and by the beasts of the earth. Now think about what this says. One quarter of the earth will be killed with hunger, starving to death, by death, of course they would die because they would starve to death, and by the beast of the earth. Now we also know about pestilence and famine and persecution and all the other things because those are woven into the text of the Olivet Discourse in Matthew 24, Luke 21, and Mark 13. All of those should be read. I think a person should sit down and read them all together. Okay, one by one. There are very teeny-weeny little minute deltas between them, but they essentially are very uh, synonymous. In other words, there, there's a lot, fantastic harmony between them. And, um, and, they, and they tell the same story. And we're living it right now. So every one of the Wednesday and Sunday radio shows that we do, where we're focusing on the news, I try my best, although it's hard, to call out the events that are happening empirically in the news headlines that are highlighting the things that Jesus told us in the Olivet Discourse when he was on the Mount of Olivet and he, you know, was telling everybody uh, that was hanging around him, uh, you know, the signs that would occur on the earth to indicate that his coming was imminent very, very soon. Now, I don't like, as I've mentioned many times, I work in assessment work, I work in uh, audit work, and in my profession... The word, words like eminent and soon and such like that, they don't hold a lot of water. As a matter of fact, if I see that in anybody's policies or standards or whatever, I flag it. And I tell them, you can't use that word. It's not actionable. Okay? If you say you're going to review your policies soon, it could be 100 years from now. Because all things are relative. So anyway, um, I personally want facts and figures. I want periodicities. I want to be told that uh, at the same date, on the same day, every fiscal quarter, uh, you will do this and then you will do that. I want to know what day it is and I want to see proof that it was signed off on that date. But that's just who I am. That's what I do for a living. So it drives me nuts to hear words like soon and imminent. We've been hearing the words soon and imminent and other words that are similar for as long as I've been doing this, which for me, radio show wise, has been 13 years. And, um, and if I include the years and years that I used you know, for, the, for the website, that goes back to 2009, and if I include the research that led up to the website, that goes back to probably 2005. So it's, uh, for me, it's been a long time, and I've seen a lot of uh, – we now currently have um, proclamations. I do not know if that's the right word, but I have been told that there are um, blessed 
brothers and sisters, people that I deeply, deeply love, that are telling people that Jesus told them that the tsunami is going to hit the east coast of the United States of Babylon the Great this year. Hold on just a second. That's really weird. I have a sound coming over my system, and I don't know where it's coming from. But anyway, um, and, uh, you know, that the tsunami, the East Coast mega tsunami is going to happen this year. But that is, that doesn't happen until the beginning of the day of the Lord. That doesn't happen until Revelation chapter 6, verse 12. That doesn't happen until we are deep into World War III. Ezekiel 38, I believe it's 19. Let me go ahead and true up that um, well, this is very strange. I have a lot of sound coming over. Very odd that I have so much sound coming over my um, my headset. I don't know. It's very strange. But let me go ahead and look this up. Ezekiel 38. I'll just go ahead and I think it's 19, but I'm going to scroll down. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Okay. So 18. 19, in my jealousy and the fire of the wrath, I have spoken. Surely there will be, yep, there it is. It's 19. And it's got the little, uh, it's got the little subtitle, Judgment on Gog. It says, and it will come to pass at the same time when Gog comes, Gog comes against the land of Israel, says the Lord, that my fury will show in my face. For in my jealousy and in the fire of my wrath I have spoken, surely in that day there will be a great earthquake in the land of Israel. Now notice when you read in Revelation chapter 6 verse 12, it says, and there will be a great earthquake, a great earthquake. Okay, so are they the same earthquake? Well, let's take a look, okay? It says there will be a great, I'm reading in Ezekiel, surely in that day there, will, there shall be a great earthquake in the land of Israel, it says, so that the fish of the sea, the birds of the heaven, the beasts of the field, and all creeping things that creep on the earth, and all men, all men who are on the face of the earth shall shake at my presence. The mountains shall be thrown down, and steep places shall fall, and every wall shall fall to the ground. Okay, now, so very quickly, what you see here is what starts out as being a great earthquake in the land of Israel rapidly expands scope-wise out to the entire world. Mountains being thrown down. All men across the entire earth will be shaken. So you see very quickly that this is a worldwide earthquake. And that would align beautifully, harmoniously, and perfectly with Revelation chapter 6, verse 12, where we are entering into the day of the Lord, which, of course, has the three days of darkness. The sun will turn dark as sackcloth of hair. The eye will or the sky will roll up as a, uh, um, you know, as a scroll, which, of course, you know, if you watch the bikini, the bikini island nuclear test, you see very quickly how that analogy would um, uh, make 
perfect sense. Um, and then, of course, you got the, um, uh, the uh, you know, uh, stars falling from the sky like a fig tree shaken by a mighty wind. And I've mentioned many times the various movies that have been made out there that are prophetic, uh, that have uh, meteors falling from the skies um, just prior to the um, alien invasion, which, by the way, that maps directly back over to Revelation chapter 12, where you have, um, uh, uh, you know, it says Satan thrown out of heaven. A war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought with the dragon. And then the dragon and his angels fought, but they did not prevail, nor was a place found uh, for them in heaven any longer. So the great dragon was cast out. That serpent of old called the devil and Satan who deceived the whole world. He was cast to the earth and his angels were cast out to the earth with him. Well, that lines up beautifully with um, uh, the sixth seal where it says, and the stars will fall from the sky like a fig tree shaken by a mighty wind. Star is a uh, is a uh, it's a type of a metaphor for fallen angel. Okay, so those things. So we know that there will be alien, and we can go into uh, you know, of course, we can go into Second uh, Ezra fifteen verse twenty eight, where the dragons of Arabia fall. We can go to the prophecies that I read on the uh, prior show a couple of shows ago uh, from God's Healer Seven. The seven thunders revealed. The hosts will come first, and then, you know, it, it's so obvious. And they all line up. They all say exactly the same thing. They line up with uh, Isaiah 13. They line up beautifully with uh, Joel 2, praise God. So we know these things are coming. And um, sorry, I've got to get a lot of water in me. I apologize. Ah, thank you, Jesus. I can't seem to get enough. I got to get one of those little goofy hats that like funnels water, nice frosty cold water down into a straw that just goes into my mouth and whatever. But they don't have them. They're just for fun. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. So anyway, um, I think it, I think it was most important to share, um, especially the um, the second seal being Russia, I believe strongly that it is. Uh, the third seal we know is a, a global financial collapse. There is very, there are very few people on the earth that do not realize the extreme, uh, what would you call it, fragility, how fragile the financial markets are right now, how fragile. The um, American dollar standing is right now as uh, being uh, the go-to currency for trade. The establishment of BRICS and the influx of, I think they have another 13 nations that are queued up right now that want to join BRICS. The faith in the um, petrodollar. That's what they call it. But you got you got the Crown Prince of Saudi Arabia already telling Russia that they want to join BRICS. What's that going to do to the petrodollar? It's going to eliminate it. So we're really sitting on the very edge of the consummation, the realization of Revelation chapter three. 
We already have the farmers' rebellions now. I know, I know uh, that the um, French and Belgium and Germany, but mostly French and Belgium, farmers' revolts have resulted in the um, EU Parliament pulling back and stating that they are going to push out the zero carb car, you know emissions mandate to 20 what did they say what did they say i forget doggone it but several years from now in fact um they actually uh projected to push it out past 2030 which i found very untrustworthy because you have their ruling elite the people that are above them that can kill them off and they're all they're all working under duress all of them are they all know that they can be killed at any moment and um so there was an article written in regard to that that stated that the conclusion of the writer was that this idea that they're going to push out the zero-carb um, uh, deadline for the farmers in Europe, you know, to like, I don't know, 2027 or some later date or something past 2030. Um, I don't know if they said 2047. It was way out. It was way out. And anyway, the point was the author wrote, he said, I do not believe that this is anything but a placebo. He he, um, he stood his ground and said that he believes that the powers to be are still shooting for 2030. Nothing has changed. And that this is a uh, – they're trying to placate, if you will, pat them on the head and send them home. Everything's going to be okay. We're not going to take away any of your um, – you know, uh, any of your uh, – Stuff that you need to do, your farming and stuff. We're not going to take away your fuel. We're not going to take away your uh, fertilizer. Everything's okay. It's okay. It's all right. You don't have to set fire to to tires in the freeway anymore. You don't have to block the highway. You don't have to block the Polish border. Just go home. Everything's going to be fine. Well, the writer of the article had come to the conclusion that they were being duped. Which makes a lot of sense to me, since Satan is such a liar. So, we sit in a time, praise God, where we don't have an awful lot of stuff ahead of us. Um, And I'm waiting for my, oh, hallelujah, praise you, Jesus. So, I'm waiting for my um, little list here. Here it is. No, that's not it. wonder if I can find it now because I've been sending too many messages. La-dee-da-dee-da-dee-da. Praise you, Lord. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So I, um, a lot of people have been sending me um, messages, some via email, some via text, some via SMS, some via RCS, some via Facebook, some via, you know, all these different avenues and technologies and um, saying things like, hey, so-and-so met with Jesus, and Jesus told so-and-so that we're going to have the East Coast tsunami this week, or, you know, this year. Well, the way I see it, I'm not saying anything. This is definitely not a yea, saith the Lord. Never. 
Never, never, never. What this is, is just my prediction, praise you, Jesus, um, over the last, um, it's from 13 years of doing this stuff. It's from collecting thousands and thousands of pages of prophecies, dreams, and visions, and seeing all the ones that failed, and looking at the ones that didn't fail, and, and, you know, I don't know. I mean, none of us know for sure. But if I was to toss out a list of things that I think we're looking at, and I, I really believe with all of my heart that it's important to con- to repeat these over and over and over again. Because if we don't, what will happen, other Christians will say things, and it will throw us off our game. So I love my fellow brothers and sisters desperately so much. I love them. But at the same time... If I have a strong reason to believe that what they believe they're being told is not accurate, then I got to steer clear, let them go ahead and say what they feel in their heart is right, not say anything negative, not name their names, but share why I think we have a little bit longer, just a little bit, just a little bit. So what do we know? Well, what we definitely know is that when World War III goes hot, all bets are off. When World War III, and you can say, well, World War III is hot right now. You could. But not really. Um, When you compare what's going on right now with the Houthis, what's going right now in Gaza, what's going on right now in the threats that are happening with Hezbollah in South Lebanon, what's going on right now with the IGRC over in Iraq and the uh, bombing, you know, and the killing of three um, American soldiers or whatever in a particular base uh, uh, in Syria. When you look at all of these things that are going on in Jordan and all that, it's nothing. You might say, well, to the parents of the people that lost the kids, it's not nothing. And I agree with that 100%. And I pray that they know Jesus and they know their children are in heaven with Jesus. Because that's how we should be looking at everything. But if I take a look at my little list, and it's a mini list. It's not a big list. It's not all-encompassing. It's not comprehensive by any stretch of the word. Because there's a whole bunch of other stuff that weaves into this. But, um, you know, we we know that we got the Cascadia subduction zone event, but we don't know exactly when it's going to occur. According to Linda Moulton, it's the next big judgment that's queued up. So what does that mean? Tomorrow? Next week? A month from now? What does it mean? That's the problem. We don't know what it means. We don't have anything that specific. But um, we need Trump to get elected, which has been prophesied by uh, Matt Groening, 33rd degree Mason, and obviously very well connected because he's nailed it a gazillion times. Um, But we need Trump to get elected. We need Trump to be removed forcibly, uh, which has been talked about by Alex Soros and all the – there's so much. There's so much. There's so much. There's so much. I mean, uh, Bill Gates and his little comment about JFK in 2016, and uh, the list just goes on and on, and him sitting across from, uh, you know, uh, 
McCallum and Brett Baer, you know, Trump uh, sitting across from them during the early days of the pandemic across from the Lincoln Memorial. I mean, the list just goes on and on and on and on and on. The symbolism and all that that points to Trump being forcibly removed from the office, uh, you know, and in a casket, which, again, was also prophesied by Matt Gronig and other people. I have, as a matter of fact, right here, praise God. I don't know if I can find it for you, but if I can, praise God. All right. So let me see here. War of the World, Sound of Budapest, little polder guys. I got to find it. Ring. No, that's not it. Hold on. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise you, Lord. Okay, so I'm looking, looking, looking. Surprise, surprise, surprise. Nope, not on that page. I'm still getting used to the sound, um, the soundboard and where everything is located. Um, Hallelujah. Thank you. There it is. Okay, so this is uh, Sister. Her name is Carrie Ann Gidden, and this is what the Lord showed her. I'm going to play this for you. This is Sister Karen Gidden in Jesus Christ. God, I want to do this quick um, vision that I got. I've already posted it on my timeline um, about Donald Trump, and I promised that I would do a, uh, a video. Um, I got this vision on the 10th of uh, November 2016. It's very short and very quick. In this vision, I saw what appears to be a boat in the distance and it was on the road and it was just moving by itself and as it came closer ladies and gentlemen i realized that this boat wasn't a boat it was a coffin and the coffin was draped inside and out with pearly white uh, ivory linen and as it was coming down the street there were people actually lining the street there wasn't much but there were some people there and as it was coming down the street, I heard very clearly, very profoundly, this is Donald Trump coffin. That's what I heard, that this is Donald Trump coffin. And as it passes me, I then saw Mr. Trump behind the coffin. And it was so strange because everywhere the coffin goes, if it turns right or turn left, which, was, which it was turning in the vision, he followed the coffin. So every single where the coffin went, Mr. Trump was behind it. And then the vision just disappeared and, and that was it. And like I said, you know, I've already posted it. On- All right. Praise God. So anyway, um, and that's only one of many that um, I have collected and people even that we've brought on the programs on Wednesdays and Sundays um, to uh, share with us the things that the Lord has shown them in regard to Trump being removed. Now, if you feel led and everything to pray that our Heavenly Father will save his soul, great, that's awesome. Um, I have no reason to believe. Now, I didn't like him at first. So anybody that's been around long enough to have listened to me rant about in 2016 about all the things that I didn't like about Donald Trump, uh, you know, I didn't like him. I really didn't. But um, over the years, the Lord has shown me things that he has said back in the 80s on The Tonight Show, etc. And um, he was exceedingly consistent. And what he said 
about the government, how it's run, how it's ill run, incorrectly run, and the things that need to be fixed. And I thought to myself, well, wow, you know, here's an individual who has been consistently been saying these things for 30 years. So then I had to you know, digress and realize that there were just certain personality characteristics about him that I was not used to or accustomed to or whatever, but it appeared to me as best as I could tell that his heart was in the right place. So, um, and that's what God looks at. God looks at our hearts. Praise God for that because <laughs> if he didn't, I'd be in a hill of beans. Praise God. A lot of us probably would be. So praise you, Jesus. We thank you, Father, for looking at our hearts. But thank you also, Father, for helping us to be able to project outward to the, to the listeners, to those of us who have come to worship you this evening. The hope that we have in our, I, I, you know, Father, I don't like this word, but our imminent departure, we know that Obama is the Antichrist. We know that the boxes that we might check from the Olivet Discourse are pretty much all checked. Maybe not to the level of magnitude that you intended. So when you said Christian persecution, what does that actually mean? How bad does it have to be for us to be able to check the box? How many pastors have to be thrown in jail? How bad does it have to become in the United States? We don't know these answers. All we know is that our pen is hovering over the checkbox. Every one of the things that you have warned us about, many of which we've already checked, and many of which we, we are aware are ever-growing, and increasing. For example, Father, I just got this today. Passenger dies mid-flight after liters. Okay, now, folks, I don't know if you know how much a liter is. A liter is a lot. It's like 16 ounces, kind of like. So imagine a Coke, a Coca-Cola in a 16-ounce bottle. That's pretty close to a liter. Actually, it's a liter's more than that. It's almost like double. It's like 1.5 times that, roughly. But the reason why I'm using that as an analogy is to help us unfortunate Americans who don't subscribe to the measurement methodologies of all other 194 major countries, and we have to be different than everybody else, it messes with our heads, and it's hard for us to imagine how much a liter is. It's about a quart, give or take. But this headline states, passenger dies mid-flight after liters, so it's plural, of blood erupts from his mouth and his nose. A passenger on board a Lufthansa flight from Thailand to Germany died on Thursday after his fellow travelers watched in horror as blood gushed out of his mouth and nose. 
The the unidentified 63-year-old German man was seen boarding the Airbus A380 in Bangkok shortly before midnight, visibly sick, with cold sweats and breathing much too quickly. Karen uh, Misfelder recounted to German uh, Swiss German outlet Blick. At first, she said his wife claimed they had uh, to rush to catch the flight, which is why he wasn't feeling well. But after watching the man for a few moments, Miss Felder, who is a nurse, nursing specialist at University Hospital in Zurich, said she informed a flight attendant that he needed to uh, be examined by a doctor. A young Polish man answered the call, but he reportedly, uh, reportedly only asked the man how he was, how he was feeling, felt his pulse, and said that he was okay. They gave him a little chamomile tea, but he already spit blood into the bag that his wife held out to him, said Miss Felder's husband, Martin. Soon, blood starting spilling started to spill out of his mouth and nose. It was absolute horror. Everyone was screaming, Martin said. He claimed that the man lost liters of blood, some of which splattered the walls of the plane. For about half an hour afterward, the flight attendants tried to perform CPR, even as the nurse said she knew it was hopeless. When he finally went still, the captain announced the man's death. It was dead quiet on board, she said. The staff that carried the man's body into the galley of the plane as it turned and headed back to Thailand. And says, although immediate and comprehensive first aid measures were taken by the crew and a doctor on board, the passenger died during the flight. The the Lufthansa uh, uh, spokesperson confirmed in a statement, our thoughts are with the relatives of the deceased passenger. We are. Uh, we also regret the inconvenience caused to the passengers of this flight. Uh, the spokesperson said, "Flight data shows it left Bangkok at 11:50 p.m. Thursday and landed back in Thailand at 8:28 on Friday. There was uh, there." The passenger said they had to wait two hours with, uh, without any guidance from Lusanza uh, before they were finally booked on another flight to Germany with a stopover in Hong Kong. But Miss Felder, the worst part was that the man's wife now had to go through customs alone. She said she regrets that she did not try to help. I should have intervened, she goes on to say. There's a bunch of little comments and stuff, but uh, not really relevant. The human story around it. What is that? What happened to this individual? That um, seems much worse to me than um, Ebola. Uh, or Marlberg, for that matter. Um, I don't know. Uh, 
I, I do know that Ebola takes about a week to really take a person out to the point where they're bleeding out of every orifice. I believe that Marlberg is essentially the same dynamic where it takes about three to four to five days or whatnot before the person really starts to get bad. But I've never heard of anything like that before where a person is literally has liters of blood, liters of blood coming out of their nose and their mouth. How does that happen? Are these tests of the bioweapons that they're preparing to launch against mankind that we know that are in our imminent, and I, I again, I say that word with no understanding whatsoever of what imminent actually means, but soon future. A year from now? Several months from now? The other question that I have, praise God, thank you, Jesus, is what um, of all the things, you know, when, when we look at uh, the list, you know, we need Trump to get elected. Well, that means we have to make it to at least January 6th of 2025. So if we believe in our, sorry, upset tum-tum. Um, if we believe in our hearts that Trump has got to get elected in order, you know, because the militias and the things that we saw happening down in Texas and the threats of the F-15s from, you know, poopy pants Biden and all this other weirdness has been going on. Um, that's really, 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 really super duper duper mine. You know, it's, it's minor. It's really minor. Now, people made a big stink about it, and it showed up in a lot of articles. It showed up in TV. There was a lot of discussions about it and how terrible this is and secession from the union and all this other stuff. And, and you know, commandeering the authority of the National Guard and all these other – and I had people telling me, oh, this is it, this is it, this is it. And I'm like, no, it can't be it. It can't. It can't be it. And the reason why it can't be it is because – the the Democrats would not allow a direct and overt attack against the state for any reason on an election year because anybody that was voting Democrat or stuck on being a Democrat would rethink their allegiance to the Democratic Party based upon the fact that the Democratic Party attacked a autonomous state. So that would destroy their hopes of uh, re-election. So that, that just didn't make any sense. So anyway, all the things that we see happening, we, I think it's reasonable to um, embrace in our hearts that Trump needs to get elected, which means January 6th. So right off the bat, whatever they do between now and the end of this, this year, it can be real, real bad, folks. Really, really, really bad. But whatever they do between now and um, January 6th, Trump's going to have to get elected. And the reason why he has to get elected is because they're worshiping uh, all the Christians, all the uh, churchy entity entities, all the evangelical Christians in the United States of Babylon the Great have made Trump their Lord and Savior. They say they love Jesus. 
but they believe that Jesus has picked Donald Trump, and so they see him as one and the same. That is so unbiblical and so antichrist that words cannot describe it, but they actually go back to Genesis chapter 13 to the Abrahamic covenants, and they say, if you bless Israel, the Lord will bless you, and they hold up that one verse, not the seven 70 or 100 other verses that say if you behave sinfully as a country, you know, you're going to meet with the wrath of God. They just poo-poo all those. And they hold up the one verse in Genesis 13 and they say, hey, we're in like Flynn. We got ourselves a little Willy Wonka golden ticket right to heaven. You know, uh, most of these churchianity groups in the United States of Babylon think that, you know, you're once saved, always saved. Hey, if you went up to the, you know, 14 years ago, if you went up, uh, you know, to the to an altar call and you accepted Jesus in your heart, don't matter how you're living now. You're, you're good, man. You're good. You're totally in. So um, that's an unfortunate heresy. And, um, un, and most unfortunately, it happens to be very predominant very predominant and very it's 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 sad it's very sad so anyway we're not going to get into all that but we all know about it praise the lord thank you jesus and we're able to look i think with a pretty level head at all the things that are happening across the world we're seeing an uptick you know leaders of blood out of this guy's mouth on a plane and how many others had leaders of blood pouring out of their bodies back in Thailand. How many people did this, whatever it was, this ailment affect? We got wind of the one guy that went on the uh, Lufthansa airplane. Okay, we got wind of that because it was in front of a whole bunch of people and it was on an airplane and regulated and all that kind of stuff. So we heard about it. What about the 150 others? I'm making that number up. I don't know how many others were affected by this. What is it? What is it? Is this a bioweapon? Are they leaking it out? Are they giving it a try? Are they trying to see what it does, how fast it kills, whether or not they can stop it from you know, killing the individual? We already know about the beast of the earth at the very end of the fourth seal. We know about the monkeys that are taking over different parts of uh, the world, cities and such like that, and are stealing food from people and attacking people. We know about uh, the – there's so many. Oh, my goodness gracious sakes alive. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. There are so many animal attacks that are occurring right now in different parts of the world that are – Atypical. These are not normal animal attacks. These are attacks that are for the record books. And people don't understand what's going on. They're like, why? Why are we being attacked by this particular, you know, this is a peaceful animal. It would never do that. But it isn't. It's attacking people. So there are, you know, we, you know, we could we could set up a whole section of the program on Wednesdays and uh, Sundays, where we would just um, talk about just the animal events. There's a lot of them, a lot of them. So what you're able to do is you're able to go through the active seals, seal, you know, the second seal, the third seal, and the fourth seal. The second seal, the third seal, which is global financial collapse, you know, uh, an ephod, which is basically a bushel of barley, 
is, or whatever, is, or is, wheat and what, whatnot, is going to cost you a day's wage. So basically it's saying that if you want, you know, a loaf of bread for your family, you're going to have to pay your, you know, whole day's wage. Well, we, what do we hear happening across the world right now? What's happening in the grocery stores? I'm not saying 100% of the grocery stores. That is not what I am saying. But there are a lot of grocery stores in Belgium. There are a lot of grocery stores in Germany. There are a lot of grocery stores in France. There are a lot of grocery stores in Canada, although not as many, but it's coming. And there are even a few here in the United States of Babylon, but mostly over in Europe right now until they get that mess that mess possibly straightened out for a short period of time. I believe it's a placation. I believe that they are saying, hey, guys, you need to chill out. We'll give you some more time, blah, blah, blah. Here's your fertilizer. Everyone go home. They're placating them. It's a lie. Patting them on the head and telling them everything's going to be all right. So they can clear up the the streets and clear the uh, fertilizer off the sides of the building. I mean, they set the European uh, Parliament on fire. Good for them. I was happy for them that they did that. But anyway, I'm glad that I'm also a citizen of heaven, Philippians 3.20. We are citizens. Our citizenship is in heaven. And you know what we just have to do? We just have to chill out, praise God, thank him for everything. If you're going through hard times, you need extra prayer. I don't, I, I'm, I'm just going to open myself up. I'm going to go ahead and go, I'll be the prayer funnel. And you should too. You should find people, find people that you know. If you're part of a little group on a social media thing or whatever, or Twitter or Facebook or whatever, ask people if they need prayer. Send me an email at Baptist. 777 at gmail.com jbaptist777 at gmail.com if you need prayer for something or you're worried about one of your loved ones not making it to heaven and you just want more prayer power let me know give me names I'll put them on my list I'll get to them I will I definitely will. Matter of fact, I've got to uh, rearrange my the order of which I do things in the morning because I've got to get back on my super diet. <sighs> it's going to be hard. It's going to be hard, but I'm going to do it. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. And I do appreciate everybody's prayers. I want to thank every single one of you that mentioned me by name to the Lord. Um, uh, you know, while I was being forced to go... Um, out west. The days were very, very long, as I put in my little notification on Friday. When I was saying that I was in pain, I wasn't joking. I was in a lot of pain. Uh, I uh, I exceeded my. I, I wasn't supposed to exceed two eight hundred milligram ibuprofens in a day. That was the maximum. My my. Uh, surgeon told me I was allowed to take, but I was uh, easily doing three a day because the pain was really bad. Um, And then, uh, long story short, I won't go into all the details, but, um, you know, five miles a day in walking, 10,000 steps, no problem. This is not something that you go from zero to 60 doing. You work your way up to it. You know, if you're going to do... Uh, 30 minutes on an elliptical trainer at a certain rate of speed or whatever, a certain intensity, 
you don't do it the first time you get on the elliptical trainer. I'll tell you straight up because I'm kind of dope that would do that. I would be the one that would say, you know, I'd, get, I'd start working out. I would get into it. I'm going, man, this feels great. I'm just going to crank it out. And I just crank, 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 crank. And I go faster, 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 faster. I get my heart rate up to 140 beats a minute, which is way over what it ought to be for my age. And, uh, and I just crank it out. And the next day, I feel great. The rest of that day, I feel great. But the day, the, the um, day three, I can't even walk down the stairs. I'm holding on to the banister going, you know, just ow, 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 you know, every single step because I hurt myself. But the problem is you don't really feel that pain until, you know, like roughly the third day, I think, for most people, maybe not all people, but for me, the third day is when the pain really kicks in. And that's what happened with me. So um, uh, even though the journey was over Thursday night, it wasn't until today a lot of the pain started to hit, um, the shoulder pain and everything else. But it's feeling a lot better right now. Praise the Lord. I thank every one of you who lifted me up in prayer. I was not um, ready for the amount of um, steps um, that I was going to have to take. You can look at it on the Internet if you want to. But if you type in the Fountain Blue Las Vegas and you look at the sheer size of the building, imagine having to walk back and forth across the length of that building several times a day. Never mind the things they called excursions and stuff that had to be done after the work day where you had to pile onto a bus and they drive you all the way across town. And then when you finally got there, you're going like, you got to be joking me. You know, you may, I'm not going to get into it, but let me just say, certainly not what I expected. Mm. Anyway, praise God. Praise God that I made it through it. Praise God that I had enough ibuprofen that I wasn't in horrible, horrible pain. But I will tell you that my knee hurt enough from, you know, I haven't, I had this surgery for my knee in September. So that's, well, it's February now. So that'd be September, October, November, December, January, February, five months. It's been five months since I had major surgery on my meniscus, on my left knee. And I will tell you, I, man, oh, Daisy, was I in pain. Uh, it was really, really hard to get back to my hotel room um, and to different places that I needed to go to. Incredibly painful. But I took, I, I just walked much slower. I mean, that's the only thing that I could do, praise God. And um, I just got to the point where I was walking like a little old man, <laughs> you know, and um, I, I just took tiny little steps, and eventually I got to where I had to go. Praise God. So um, thank you for your prayers so much. And you know what, folks? Why did I share all these things with you? Again, we got to get Trump elected. That's January 6th. Okay? We need – Trump is going to get assassinated. When that's going to happen, we have no idea. But he is. Um, and they've said so. They have come right out and said, this is what we're going to do. Don't even get me going on Alex Soros's 
very, very obvious statement that they're going to assassinate Trump. Very obvious. It's been said overtly, live on the mainstream media, MSNBC, you name it, they've come right out and said the words, we're going to have to shoot him. Um, After that occurs, as I predicted years ago, a civil war will break out in the United States because when you have removed all the hope that the people of the country have to have the country restored to any sense of normalcy and decency. And that hope is killed. I mean, this is so much bigger than JFK. Words cannot describe. Most people believe that Donald... the. If Donald Trump were not to get reelected, the country is already a loss. It's completely gone. Totally gone. And that, um, that means that if anything should go wrong with his return to the presidency, then all the militias that were already getting ready to head down to Texas um it, it's it, it's going to be a major civil war and that's exactly what satan wants satan wants this country to erupt in the most bloody war it, way worse than the actual um civil war in the 1860s way worse because it's not going to be an organized Dynamic. They're not going to like be beating little snare drums and walking toward each other and standing in rows in the middle of fields and shooting at each other over hills and all that kind of crap. And I do call it crap because it is crap. It's evil. It's satanic. And that's exactly what Satan wants. Satan wants war. Satan wants blood. When you talk to people that have the ability to discern and see into the into the uh, satanic realm. They see the demons swooping down and drinking the blood of the dead men and the aborted babies, etc. They they live off of it. They drink it. They're like vampires. It's actually life to them. They love the blood of those of us who have the power of the living God, our Lord Jesus Christ, in our blood. That is how they get power. They steal power from God by drinking our blood. And I think the most, the majority of us know that by now. And um, it doesn't make it any better. It doesn't. But the good thing that we see now, so we, we know that that's going to happen. We know that civil war will break out. And what what will it take? What will it look like? Well, I guess I don't really care so much in my heart because I just know that people, gazillions of people will be massing through the street, shooting one another. I don't even know that they'll know who to shoot. And then... Um, and then, of course, you've got the intensification of World War III, which will certainly include um, Israel. It will certainly include a number of Arab countries fighting amongst one another. Um, so you've got all that occurring. Uh, what, to what degree will Russia join in? 
once Iran has joined in? How explosive will that be? What will NATO do and all the threats of NATO fighting against Russia, fighting against uh, the, you know, all that? How big will that get? We don't know. But it looks like it's going to get real, real bad, and it looks like it's going to get real, real bad simultaneously. So while this country is um, sending um, war machinery, people, and missiles, and all that over to fund the hot war in the Middle East and in Europe, at some point, the Chinese are going to do a red dawn on this country. We already have the data about the amount of military-aged single um, Chinese men that have been sent into the country as cells to prepare for the attack on the United States where they come to collect the debt. We know that the aliens are going to mop up the nuclear waste so when the nuclear bombs go off from the ground, the aliens are going to come and vacuum it up. We know that. They're, co- they're coming as our saviors. They're going to show everybody that we're here to save you. Power signs and lying wonders. We know that Obama will be placed into a position of authority over the United States of Babylon the Great. We don't know when all the, the ground-based nuclear bombs will go off, taking out Washington, D.C., New York City, Miami, Chicago, Los Angeles, Philadelphia, San Diego, Boston, Baltimore, Las Vegas, Denver, Houston, Dallas, and Phoenix. We just don't know all the details. In the exact order. And what we don't know is we don't know how long the barley harvest, the first fruits, are going to be here. Because I believe that we're going to be gone. I believe that at the very beginning of the throes of World War III, that large spherical copper ball-shaped, just humongous mothership will appear in the sky. And we'll leave a couple of weeks after it does. Just like the article on tribulationnow.com says, with photographs and everything, and copies of the uh, prophecy. Praise God. We have every reason to believe that once World War III kicks off and intensifies, and that martial law will be put into place in the United States, possibly Canada as well, that at that point Obama will take power in the White House with some other title. He won't be called the president. He'll have another title like Hitler did when he was given the title of the Fuhrer. Who knows what they'll call him. And we know that aliens will be a big part of it. Some will be attacking. Some will be probably partnering. But it's time for us to fly then. All the check boxes of Second Thessalonians chapter 2 will be checked. Power, signs, lying wonders, the son of perdition, all that kind of stuff will be in place. The strong delusion so that they will believe the lie. The unbelievers will believe that the aliens are our creators. That's the lie. That is the lie. The aliens will be our creators. That's what they will tell us, and the people will believe it. 
it's a very unfortunate dynamic that's about to unfold, and we're right on the edge of it. Praise God. So anyway, all that being said, we're at the uh, last hour of the program, and I just wanted to um, share all this with you. And I know you're probably thinking like, well, why are you sharing it now during the prayer vigil? Well, I'm sharing it now during the prayer vigil because I've been gone for a week, coerced, if you will, and we need encouragement. Now, you might say, Johnny, come on, you're talking about a guy coughing up blood on an airplane and liters of blood, and you're talking about, you know, all the stings and the Olivet Discourse and all this horrible stuff that's happening around the world, and, you know, and, uh, you know, Trump getting elected, Trump getting assassinated, the Civil War to break out in the United States, World War II and uh, three intensifying. We need North Korea to sink the aircraft carrier. We need Israel to uh, launch two tactical nukes into the base of the Fordow Mountain in Iran. Uh, we need martial law instituted in the United States, which you know would be the method that they would use to uh, restore order while people are slaughtering each other. Um, we know that Obama's going to rise up. We know that Alice Bailey at Lucis Trust wrote back in 1953 in her little book about how um, all these powers to be, the Antichrist and the World Economic Forum, they are going to rise up and t- show the world that they are in control in 2025. I mean, really, all of the data, even the occult data, it's pointing to 2025. Ken Johnson, who a lot of people love dearly and has been on the radio show, I love him very much, uh, was doing a teaching that, um, according to his calculations, that uh, 2025 is the actual Jubilee year. Now, there's been a lot of debate about that. A lot of people have disagreed over that over the years. But at the end of the day, I'm like, why not? You got Tom Horn's book, you know, um, Zeitgeist 2025. Then what does he do? He goes up to the marriage supper and starts eating all of our Andy Scandies. I say the tongue in cheek, but you know what? I'd rather be with him right now than where I am right now, for sure. How lucky, are, how, how blessed can you possibly be? Praise God. I feel sorry for his family. I pray in the name of Jesus, Father, please pour out your peace, your your everything, Lord, provisions and protection upon them and their ministry and just fill them with your with an unbelievable amount of peace, Father God, and remind them continuously of the glory that Tom is experiencing right now. And we just pray that they are praying for us as well as we are praying for them. Praise God. But yes, if I had a choice, I would be with him right now for sure. I think most of us would rather be. So anyway, all that being said, it is very encouraging. We are very close, praise God, to our departure. (laughs) So even if this little mini timeline that I wrote up were to be spread out over the end. And we don't even know about the Black Swan event. We don't even know about Cascadia and when that's going to occur. There can be a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of bad things that happen between now and the end of just this year. And then you add on all the Trump stuff, you add on all the Civil War, you add on all the United Nations troops coming into the United States, you add on all that stuff. 
the Alice Bailey, the Zeitgeist 2025 book from Thomas, and all, and you put it all together, and you're like, wow. It really, really feels powerfully like we are on the very edge of our awesome departure. Praise God for that. It does not get any better than that, in my opinion. And it gives us a lot of hope. A lot of hope. Lord, let me always follow you and my 
praise God. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and deep darkness the people. But the Lord will arise over you, and his glory will be seen upon you. And the Gentiles shall come to your light, and the kings to the brightness of your rising. Isaiah 61-3 to The refining pot is for silver and the furnace for gold. But the Lord tests our hearts. Proverbs 17.3 But your iniquities have separated you from God, and your sins have hidden his face from you, so that he will not hear. Isaiah 59.2 For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. That's a hard one there, right there. Proverbs 23, 7. That one, that one there, I need to have that one somehow on a bracelet or something so it's staring me in the face every day. For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. That's a lesson in and of itself. For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. I'm going to write that down. Hold on a second here. This one's just too good to let it slip by. I forgot about this one. I want to get, I want to get a bracelet or something with that on it. Proverbs 23, 7. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Yep, I want that on a bracelet or something. Staring me in the face all day, for as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. Praise God. So we need to think really good things. We need to block out those negative things. So easy, they, they so easily beset us. Thy word I have hidden in mine heart, that I might not sin against thee. Psalm 119, verse 11. But he who doubts is condemned if he eats, because he does not eat from faith. For whatever is not from faith is sin. Wow, that's powerful. Thanks be to thee, our Lord Jesus, for all the benefits you have won for us, for all the pains and insults that thou hast borne for us. O merciful Redeemer, friend and brother, Lord Jesus, may we know thee more clearly, love thee more dearly, and follow thee more nearly forever and ever. Amen. Richard Chichester. Praise you, Lord. We thank you, Jesus. Be exalted, O God. Our hearts are fixed. O God, our hearts are fixed. We will sing and give praise. Awake up, our glory. Awake up, sultry and harp. I myself will awake early. I will praise thee, Lord, O Lord, amongst the people. I will sing unto thee amongst the nations. For thy mercy is great unto the heavens, and thy truth 
unto the clouds. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let they let thy glory be above all the earth. Keep on burning, 
Never turn away Just keep this up And you will learn That my children need my light Every day Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in our tribulation and our troubles, that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as the sufferings of Christ abound in each of us, so our consolation also abounds through Christ. Now, if we are afflicted, it is for your consolation and salvation, which is effective for enduring the same suffering which we also suffer. Or, if we are comforted, it is for your consolation and salvation. And our hope for you is steadfast because we know that you are partakers in the sufferings. So also you will partake in the consolation. So what you can do with this passage is you can concatenate it into kind of a summary. When we share our troubles, our trials, our tribulations, the things that hurt, our sicknesses, our weaknesses, the things that we've gone through that are similar to those that our brothers and sisters are going through, when we console them, we are actually partaking in their suffering. And that defines us as metakoi, which is the Greek word for fellow sufferers of Christ. And those are those. Those who are metakoi are those who qualify to be part of the bride of Jesus. So if you would, please. While the majority of this program has been dedicated to helping each of us understand how close we are to our departure, it's very hard to nail it down Could it be longer than 2025, I suppose? I don't really want to think about that right now because, honestly, I just don't feel like bursting into tears on the radio show. (laughs) Because thinking beyond, um, you know, Shavuot. So if I was to look it up on the Internet, this is where my hopes lie right now. But please... I'm asking this from the very bottom of my heart. Please don't. Oh, what's the word? 
please just accept that I'm sharing this as a hope only. Not as a statement, not as a yea, saith the Lord, nothing like that. It's nothing like that. I'm only sharing it. I think it's there's a sense of, I don't know what the right word is, funness, excitedness. You know, if you're looking forward to going on a vacation to a place that you've been wanting to go all your life, whether it's some Mediterranean cruise or maybe it's just a trip up to Bomp, uh, Alberta, you know, to to go to Lake St. Louis, stay at the Fairmont, go on some hikes, whatever it is. That's one of mine. Maybe there's a version of Bomp up in heaven. I can see how that could be very possible considering how beautiful it is. But whatever it is that you have in your heart, you might, you know, if you know you're going to do it, maybe you haven't set the date yet. Maybe you haven't. But you know you're going to do it. You've saved up. You've made significant investments to ensure that you're going to be able to go to those Greek Isles, to go to Lake St. Louis, to go to be with Jesus. And we might not know. We we know we've saved up. We know that we've made the investments and we're going to keep on making those investments as long as we're here. Because we know that our Lord wants us to and needs us to. Our Father needs us to. For as it says in Isaiah 43, 25, one of my favorites always, I, our Father says, I, even I, am He who blots out your transgressions for my own sake. For my own sake. And I will not remember your sins. Keep me in remembrance. Talk to me. Converse with me. Love upon me. Praise me. Keep me in remembrance and let us contend together. Let us pray together. Let us work together. Let us bring in the souls. Let us pray for the angels to come upon them in dreams and visions of the night when deep sleep falls upon men that they will be saved. Let us pray for the people in the war zones. I'll share with you tonight. Hold on a second. I better take up. Like I, like I said, I'm still recouping from the week, believe it or not. When you get, when you get, some people just, nothing bothers them. But me... I'm just one of those guys that takes about. I told one of my one of one of my coworkers. Um, pray. Hold on a second. I'm taking a note here. Pray for people in war zones. And a war zone doesn't necessarily have to be like the Ukraine or whatever. It can be in any place where really bad things are happening. But anyway, um, let me stick this over here so I don't miss it. Praise God. 
Um, praise you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. But we want tonight. Tonight's program. I needed a little bit of a lift, and I think a lot of us need a little bit of a lift. You can look. You can listen to whoever you want to. And I know that you will, and there's nothing wrong with that. Just be careful, because there's a lot of stuff being said out there, folks, that shouldn't be being said. And it's not by bad people. It's just by folks that think things that aren't exactly accurate. They don't have the whole story. Some people, when they get taken to heaven, they... uh, they forget, you know, when they're when they're with Jesus. They, if Jesus says it's going to happen next week, they think in terms of Earth weeks. Remember that time in heaven is so vastly different than time on Earth, and there isn't any formula to translate it, and it is very confusing because when you take the seven mountains people and and their claims of being in front of Jesus and what they believe. and It gets very confusing. And I could go on and on. It's sad. So many of us are heartbroken. We're real heartbroken. We're, we're years past the prophecies that we were prophesied to um, from 2013, 2015 where our Heavenly Father said, I know that you are weary, my children. But in a short time you will be with me. Well, here we are ten years later. And therein lies one of those wonderful words, like short and soon and imminent. That's why I love the earthly anchors. I love knowing that Obama is the Antichrist. I love it. I adore it. I love being able to look at a short list like the one I read to you. Trump getting elected, Trump getting assassinated, civil war, global war, North Korea sinks an aircraft carrier, Israel nukes the Fort Al facility in Iran. I mean, that's a short Cascadia subduction zone. I mean, we got ourselves a nice, nifty, really cool, super short, easy to track list. And then martial law, of course. What else are you going to do? If everybody's out in the streets running around with, um, you know, semi-automatic rifles and shooting each other, and there's blood everywhere, people are like dying like crazy in a war, what are you going to do? Well, you're going to have to bring in probably not even American. You can't even trust the American um, uh, military. It's been said for a very long time by very many, many godly and anointed people that they would, the entities of darkness would have to bring in foreign soldiers, United Nations soldiers, to correct the, um, to correct and fix uh, 
the Civil War and the World War breaking out in the United States because they would need soldiers that wouldn't think twice about shooting an American citizen. Praise God. So um, it, it, it sounds, you know, it's a lot of bad stuff. We are in the period of sorrows. We are, but these are things that we know they're in our Bible. They're in Psalm 91. You know, there's so many prophecies. We, we don't even just have the prophecies, dreams, and visions that, that God has given us over the last 13 plus 15 roughly years. We've got all those, but we've also got the prophetic words, the, prof- the prophecies that are embedded into the movies. Because remember that Satan has no original ideas. A lot of people are like, oh, that's front-loading. Oh, that's lesser magic. I used to be one of them. Oh, all aliens are demons. I used to be one of them. I was one of them. I bought the shirt. But over time, when you keep your heart and your mind soft and hungry for the Lord to reveal to you things that are more and more, you know, reveal more and more mysteries to you, that's when it really, the Bible just explodes and opens up wide with all kinds of amazing things. And you start to see the really, really big picture and get very excited. These things are inevitable. It's sad. None of us wants bad things to happen to anybody. I don't. I don't. And I imagine that you probably don't as well. But unfortunately, for whatever reason, God has chosen us to be here for now. And I truly believe from the bottom of my heart that um, we were chosen because uh, God has given us things that are, um, It's information, godly information that nobody else has. I mean, don't get me wrong. There are other, you know, there are others that have them. We're not the only people on the entire face of the earth that has this. There's probably hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of others as well. But, um, and I'm looking for this one little, oh, fiddly, 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 fiddle. There was this one uh, dream from Julie Wedby, but I can't find it. Praise you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I'll scroll a little bit longer to see if I can find. Oh, there it is. Oh, thank you, Lord. Okay, so I'm going to read this to you. And the reason is because I think that as we get closer and closer, and we know in our hearts, we can feel it. Don't tell me that you can't feel it. If you can't feel it, then maybe you're brand new and you're just you're, the Lord is just beginning to open your eyes. And that's okay, because we all went through that. Believe me. It took me years. <laughs> years of beatings, refiner's fire, all kinds of awful things. And, you know, it's just, it's hard. I want to read this to you. This is from Truly Wedby of Behold I Come. Your prayers are the most powerful weapons of destruction against the enemy. From May of 2017. Now, in the 1 Corinthians letter, the first letter to the Church of Corinth, 
there's a little passage. I do not have it handy, so please, I welcome you to please read it. You will see that Paul rebukes the Church of Corinth for a whole bunch of behaviors. A bunch. A lot. He calls them out. He's pretty tough on them, too, and he even felt a little bad about how tough he was in the second letter. And he says so. But he was tough, probably for really good reasons. Well, I'm sure for very good reasons. But anyway, in the First uh, Corinthians, in there, you will find, as Paul is talking to them, he mentions that they are baptizing the dead. Okay, but he doesn't. He doesn't like rebuke them for it, which which was out of place, by the way, because he spent so much time. Uh, and let me go plus D E A D star New Testament, and let's see what I hit. Okay, hold on a second. Um. Okay, so it's 1 Corinthians 15.29. Otherwise, uh, effects of denying the... Okay, he says, Otherwise, what will they do who are baptized for the dead if the dead do not rise at all? Why then are they baptized for the dead? And why do we stand in jeopardy uh, every hour? I affirm... He goes on, but, but he doesn't really say, Don't do that. Okay, in other words, he mentions that they're doing it. Okay, so if you even go back a couple of scriptures, it says, so in 1 Corinthians uh, 15, 28, he says, Now when all things are made subject to him, then the Son himself will also be subject to him who put all things under him, that God may be in all. Otherwise, what will they do who are baptized for the dead? If the dead do not rise at all, why then are they baptized for the dead? And why uh, do we stand in jeopardy, uh, in jeopardy every hour? I affirm by boasting in you, which I have in Christ Jesus our Lord, I die daily. Uh, and he goes on and he talks about it, you know, and uh, he goes, um, if the dead do not rise, let us eat and drink, and uh, for tomorrow we die. He was being facetious there a little bit. But anyway, the point is he never... He never really told them, don't do that. Now, a whole bunch of the other things, you know, having sex with the man's uh, wife or whatever, all that kind of stuff, he was extremely rebuking. Okay. So, um, but that's beside the point. I just wanted to hold that up to you. Then, of course, you have um, the... um, you know, the C.W. Kelly testimony where he was eight years old, um, died, uh, got shot. He, he was an eight-year-old rapist and drug dealer, and he um, got killed and went to hell. So he's in hell burning, but his mom has no idea, you know, because he would only go home once in a while, whatever, you know. So he didn't. his mom really didn't see him very often, evidently. But um, uh, but he was shot and killed and went to hell, and he was in hell burning. And his mom was doing the same thing that she was doing all the time, okay? And, um, uh, and that was getting on her knees and praying for her son. Dear Heavenly Father, please, in the name of Jesus, I pray, please save my son. Please save him. And she would pray for him all the time to the Father, 
begging him, beseeching him, please save the soul of my son. Well, she didn't know that he was in hell. Our father sent angels down to go get CW and take him out of hell and, resur- and you know, bring him back to life. And he ended up ultimately becoming a pastor and, and every everything else. So that that's an amazing story whereby the prayers of his mother, having no idea that he was already dead and in hell. See, because think of it like this. If she had known that he was killed, if she had known that he was in hell already, given the teachings of the church, would she not have stopped praying? And the answer is yes. Given the teachings of churchianity, it you know it, she would have stopped praying for him. She would have been like, "Oh no, he's in hell," and she would have cried. And you know, but she wouldn't have continued to pray for him. But she didn't know he was in hell, so she kept on praying. And God took him out of hell. Now that seems a little bit unfair to me, unless. Unless, unless, because there's no place in my Bible that says that we cannot pray for somebody that has already passed on. Yes, there's a scripture that says it is appointed a man to die once and then to face judgment. But it doesn't say that we can't intercede. It doesn't say that we can't get involved. It doesn't say that we can't block it. It doesn't. There is no place in the Bible that stifles the power that we have in the name of Jesus. Now, to him who is able to do do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. Oh, my gosh, that's a lot. Ephesians 3.20, now to him, our Lord Jesus, who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or even think of according to the power that works in us through Jesus Christ. That sounds like an awful lot of power to me. You know, and greater things than these will we do because our Lord Jesus has gone unto the Father, John 14, 13, uh, 12, 13, and 14. Why in the world would we think that we have no power? Because of the church. The church, the church teaches us we have no power. Oh, they'll say things now and then, but they stifle us. With their notions. So anything, uh, anyway, Julie Wedby, um, one of the reasons why I really love and adore her work at Behold I Come is because she's, um, she, her spirit thinks way outside the box. She will not be stifled by churchianity. She will not be stifled by what other people say. She will not. She's not a follower of anybody else or any other teacher. She seeks God, and God shares with her mysteries. And it's fascinating too because these mysteries that the Lord has shared with her over the years are they match perfectly, harmoniously with the things that the Lord has shared with me. Even to the point where we used to joke around behind the scenes when we were calling each other on the phone, saying to each other, man, it sure seems like Julie Wedby is a closet listener to the prayer vigil and everything else because she was she was using holy fire. She was uh, uh, there were words coming through the Lord through her about how, uh, you know, there will be uh, multiple raptures, all that stuff. And I'm like thinking to myself, where is she getting this from? 
I've already been talking about this stuff for years, and she's coming out and pro- pro- prophesying from Jesus, okay, from the words of our Father, and, and speaking it forth. So either she's a closet listener that's taking notes to everything that we talk about on the Prayer Vigil or whatever shows, and and then repeating it prophetically through her prophetic tongue, which we knew that what, that was not the case. It was, not, it was wrong. It's not true. So what that meant was there was harmony. She was, she was seeking the Lord, and the Lord was speaking through her the same things that we were already doing on the prayer vigil and talking about on the radio show, bringing guests on to talk about the barley harvest, the wheat harvest, and the, and the grape harvest, and all that kind of stuff. And, it's, and, it's, and the prophetic word, our Heavenly Father spoke through her and confirmed all that stuff, including this. Quote, on Friday, April 28th, I was seeking Yeshua for answers about prayer. A close friend contacted me, telling me that his mother had died suddenly. And he didn't know if she was saved, he said. As we all have done at some point in our lives, we question how effectual our prayers are, especially for those who don't know the Lord prior to their passing. And boy, let me tell you, I pray for a lot of people. I pray for people who have already passed that I'm positive would not have made it, um, or I just feel in my heart that they wouldn't have, and I don't want to take any chances. Um, I, I, I always do. There's no place in the Bible that says that you can't. It says that greater things than these will we do because our Lord goes unto the Father. And if it glorifies the Father... It does glorify the Father. Every soul that is saved glorifies our Heavenly Father. And our praying glorifies our Heavenly Father. I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake, 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 for my own sake. sake. I blot out your sins because by doing so you can help me save souls. That's what our Heavenly Father is saying. Anyway, he goes on, he, she goes on, she says, We question how effectual our prayers are, especially for those who, who don't know the Lord prior to their passing, or at least we think they don't. Directly after receiving communion, Father gave me a vision. I don't ever get visions. But you know, maybe, I don't know, we all have different callings, so I shouldn't feel sorry for myself. But anyway, it says, Father gave me a vision and has led me to share it with you, as it brings great consolation to all who may question the power of our prayer, especially the prayers of the righteous. Here's the vision. I was in Father's courtroom, standing in the back, watching how our Father sees an unsaved soul and makes the determination of their eternal destiny. I saw a man, a lost soul, standing directly in front of the Father with his head hanging very low and his eyes closed. I'll tell you that, that one makes me want to cry. I can't even imagine how horrible that must feel. In front of her father and her head hung very low and his eyes closed. I understood that he instinctively knew that he was guilty as charged and had no defense, and his life life of sin was directly before him. Satan, the adversary, was on the left, 
with many demons to testify of the man's guilt. And the saints who had gone before were on the right. The saints. The saints who had gone before were on the right-hand side to present the testimony of all the prayers of the saints that have never, that have, uh, that have ever been recorded to intercede for the lost. Wow, check it out. All the prayers of the saints that had ever been recorded to intercede for the lost people of the world. Wow, that's awesome. Although the evidence from the enemy was more than sufficient to convict the man, the prayers of the saints outweighed anything the enemy could present. Father's love for his people is beyond measure and takes precedent over anything the enemy will ever be able to offer up against us. Jesus was on the man's right side, a distance away observing. He didn't speak, but he waited to see if the man would invite him into his heart so that he could intercede as the man's advocate, covering the man with his robe of righteousness and shed his blood and his shed blood. Father then allowed me to understand that in his infinite mercy, and because the hearts of his chosen are one with him, that he would allow this man to choose at the last instant his son, Jesus, although the man had not previously confessed him as Lord and Savior. Vision ends. Father speaks. I wish my people to know, daughter, tell them there is no greater commandment than to love one another. As one heart in me, you are charged to assist me in saving souls. Did you hear that? We are charged to help our Heavenly Father. I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake, and I will not remember your sins. Keep me in remembrance and let us work contend together. Doing what? Assisting our Father in saving souls. For I came to seek and save the lost. You are my priests, and it is in your hands to walk in the fullness of all you were purposed for. There is no greater joy for my father than to bring my lost sheep home. I have commanded you to pray for those who are hardened to me. Pray for those who are in deception and, and therefore are in despair. Pray for those that the enemy steals, that their spiritual eyes and ears may be open to the relationship that I have for them. Come before me in holiness and purity daily and confess your sins. Confess your sins. Confess your sins. Confess your sins. I do every single time before I take communion in the morning. I have one particular thing that I'm struggling with, and I'm working real hard on it. And asking for forgiveness. I've, the Lord has helped me overcome so many things. It's unbelievable. <laughs> but I had to be patient and keep on praising him the whole time. Your temples, my vessels, must be free of willful sin for me to answer your petitions. Intercede on behalf of all those who walk in the darkness, for I wish that not one would perish. Do not underestimate the power of your prayers when your hearts are in unity with me. I have given you all power 
authority and dominion over the enemy, and you must exercise your authority. You must, must exercise your authority. What you loose on earth is loosed in heaven. What you bind on earth is also bound in my kingdom. Boldly come before me, my throne of grace, and expect great things. Trust in the promises I have given to you in my word. Pray without ceasing. Fast and travail with great love and concern for the salvation of all those who were created by me. Plead my blood constantly for it. In this, the victory has already been won. Proclaim verbally my truths, and Satan will flee. It is time for my church to walk in the fullness of the power and the authority given to her by my life sacrifice. So as you are seeking the manifestation of evil upon evil on the earth, allow this to be your war cry and passionately present your petitions to me as each and every uh, utterance with my love in your heart and my glorification being the motive has great value in my kingdom. I have spoken these words to you previously as the dark grows darker, my bride rises higher. Believe. Believe my power in and through you as is a weapon of great destruction to the enemy's camp. Very soon you will see the importance of what I am speaking. Okay. Now I suppose, I suppose that there isn't any, a single one of us that um, has a clue the impact of our prayers, how important they are to our Heavenly Father, how important, how impactful they are. I pray without ceasing. I have, I don't even know how many people, my list keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. I have to have like little notes and cheat sheets on my phone to sit there in the morning in the quiet and lift up every single person by name. I can't, and one of them, one of the lists has over 400 people. It takes me hours to mention all those by name. I can't always do that. So I just do the best that I can with the time that I have. But I wonder to myself, that's a fixed list. What about all the people that we pray for on this program? Oh, Wow. I can't believe it. Hold on a second. Wow, time flies when you're praising God, huh? I am. Um, thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. I'm still discombobulated from the trip back. A lot of people think, oh, well, you know, you made the trip back. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus, and all that kind of stuff. And it's like, well, that's actually, yeah, that's a big part of it. Amen. But unfortunately, dry cleaning, separating everything out, fixing all the stuff around the house, getting everything. That's just a lot of stuff you got to do when you get back. Praise God. We thank you, Jesus. Wow, we're down to like six minutes. Time flew. But I wanted, so one of the ways... Before we have a, a communion, you know, a regular one without all the music, one of the ways that I pray for the people that are in war zones, um, it doesn't mean that you can't pray all the other stuff, you know, parting of the spiritual realm is the Red Sea, 
Um, I forgive, you know, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. All that, you know, breaking all their yokes of bondage, all their spiritual and, you know, and just all the things that we can do, you know, calling down the holy fire of God to surround them that nothing unclean will reenter the clean soaked house, pleading with our Heavenly Father for the crystal river, the living water, the abundant grace of God to enter into their soul and their spirit to fertilize the soil, that they will receive the seeds of the prayers. The prayers will bear fruit and the fruit will remain, John 15:16, And calling down and pleading with our Heavenly Father for an innumerable company of angels of light and love in the presence of Jesus to come upon them in dreams and visions of the night when deep sleep falls upon men to save their souls from the pit and to seal their instruction, which is a summarization of Job 33, 14, and 15. But when people are in a war zone, they're being killed continuously. And I like to ask the Lord, Father, in the name of Jesus, please send angels into the spiritual realm to stand guard beside each of the people that are in those war zones. Father, in the name of Jesus, should they die in the middle of that war zone, I pray in Jesus' name that the angel that is assigned to them snatches their soul out of the hands of the darkness and takes them up to heaven into your presence, just like in Julie Wedby's vision. I'll actually quote Julie Wedby's vision to our Heavenly Father. Because there's no reason why we can't position angels in their presence and that those angels can stand guard by their side in the spiritual realm and take, rip out of the hands of the demons of darkness who are salivating for their opportunity to drag one more soul kicking and screaming into the pit. I say, to heck with them. I say that we are the royal priesthoods. We are the holy nation. We are his special people that were called out of the darkness and into his marvelous light. We are the ones that have power, and that power comes from the creator of creation. Greater things than these will we do. Praise God. Speak it forth. Speak it forth. Speak it forth. Praise God. All right. Hallelujah. So with a very small amount of minutes that we have left, dear Heavenly Father, we come before you and we pray that you will wash us clean. Please cleanse and totally purify our heart, our mind, our soul, our spirit, and our flesh, our record-keeping books in heaven, and our robe and gown in heaven with your precious blood and your holy fire. If there is anything about us that offends thee, bring us in alignment with total harmony of your purity. For we seek ye first the kingdom of God and your righteousness. Together, in accordance with Matthew eighteen nineteen, where it says, where two or more are gathered together on the earth in agreement, You will do it for us, Father. You will do it for us. And there's more than two of us agreeing. We pray, Luke 21, 36, that you will deliver us, that you will count us worthy to escape all these things that are about to come upon the earth. They're all in progress. And stand before you, Lord Jesus, at the wedding supper. On the day in which the Lord Jesus was betrayed, he took bread. He broke it and gave thanks and said, Take, eat, 
my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in that same manner he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat of bread and drink of this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. It's real sin. Thank you, Jesus. Ani Lodoti Vadoti Li. I am my beloved, and my beloved's is mine. We praise your name forever and ever. Amen. Lord, we come to you with repentant hearts. We seek you with all our might. Sinners set the mercy of grace. Redeemed we are by your embrace. Praise his holy name. Praise the King of Kings. When will your coming be? When will your trumpet sound for me? For you we will endure Until you come back for your bride To set her free Write our names in your book of life we are cleansed through your holy sacrifice As we lift your name on high Renew our mind, renew our soul Remove the scars from our past And deem us righteous We rebuke all deceptive lies When will your coming be? When will your trumpet sound for me? Till then we will endure. We are the branches on a living tree. When will your coming be? When will your trumpet sound for me? Till then we will endure. Until you come back for your bride. Set her free Watch us as we trim our wicks Our lamps are full Our hearts are right Like those five white virgins We will be Your bride awaits Sleep patiently
When will your coming be? When will your trumpet sound for me? We will endure, and while we wait, we will bring forth the fruit of the light of Christ. When will your coming be? When will your trumpet sound for me? Till then, we will endure Until you come back for your bride To set us free